Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. Do your patients know what presbyopia is? There are people who are afraid of the press. Have you talked to your patients about multifocal contact lenses? I've heard the bifocal, but not right, multifocal. Do you need help with your multifocal strategy? Learn more at the conclusion of this episode. With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe MySight one day, the first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Hello and welcome to Open Your Eyes podcast. I'm Dr. Kerry Gelb, the host of the documentary, Open Your Eyes. If you're new here and you like our interviews, press like, subscribe, share, and hit the bell to get notifications of great new interviews. Also, please leave comments. Great news, you can now watch our full-length documentary, Open Your Eyes on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube movies and shows. And tune in to our brand new radio show, Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Central Time on AM 1280, The Patriot. Also, please share your thoughts by emailing me at drkerrygelb at gmail.com. That's D-R-K-E-R-R-Y-G-E-L-B at gmail.com. And visit my website, drkerrygelb.com. It is well established that increasing proper dietary carotenoids, plant pigments, can decrease the progression of macular degeneration. But emerging research has now linked certain carotenoid dietary intake to better cognitive performance. Today's guest, nutritional biochemist, Dr. Elizabeth Johnson, PhD. Dr. Johnson did her postdoctoral research at Tufts University. Dr. Johnson has over 30 years of experience in the study of nutrition and healthy aging with an emphasis on carotenoids and age-related visual and cognitive function and has over 100 peer-reviewed publications of which more than 60 are on the topic of carotenoids. Dr. Johnson, thank you for joining me today. Yes, of course. I'm happy to be here. Dr. Johnson, we're so happy. You're one of the world experts on carotenoids, and the, most of the public doesn't even know what a carotenoid is. So tell us, what are carotenoids? Well, this is a perfect part of the year to talk about carotenoids. If you live in New England like I do, and all the leaves are turning from green to red and orange and yellow, that red and orange and yellow, those are carotenoids. And carotenoids are plant pigments. So think of your tomatoes, think of your pumpkin pie, which we'll be thinking about next week, and think about um, your corn and your uh, spinach. Um, and now spinach isn't red, yellow, or orange, but if you leave it out in the sun and it starts to you know, deteriorate, it, that what's happening there is the chlorophyll. Chlorophyll is green and it's breaking down to reveal those carotenoids. Um, one of which is lutein, and that's the one that you'll find in spinach. So lutein, what foods have the most lutein in it, would you say? Well, if you look at your dark green leafy vegetables, like your spinach, like your kale, like your collard greens, 
those are all going to be very rich sources of lutein. And uh, if you cook these vegetables, do you lose the carotenoids? Do you increase it? Or does it make no difference? Well, actually, cooking's a really good thing to do. Um, so when you think about the plant cell, it's different than the cells I have in my body because they have a, a cell wall. So when you cook it, you chop it, you juice it, you break that wall to allow those carotenoids to be released and better absorbed from your gut into your body. So actually, that's probably a good idea. Although I would never discourage someone when, from eating a, a spinach salad because you're still going to get your lutein. You just might get a little bit more if you are going to cook that spinach. And you brought up juicing. Uh, is there a difference between juicing and blending? Uh, do we even know? I don't know, but I would think no, that with the um, really objective being to break down those plant cell walls. So if you're doing that, you're, you're, you're doing good. And how many carotenoids are there in nature? How many are in our diet? How many get into our blood? And how many get into our eye? Well, this is what I find totally amazing about lutein is when we look at nature, you know, in nature, in any plant that's got these bright colors that are red and orange and yellow, there are about 700 in nature. And in our diet, we might be eating maybe 50 and about 20 get into our bloodstream or circulation and other tissues. But from that 700 down to the 50, down to the 20, down to the two that get into your eye, into the mac, something, a part of your eye called the macula. And what the macula is, it's part of the retina. The retina is in the back of your eyeball. So um, when the sun comes in straight directly into your retina, dead center, that's where your macula is. And that's where lutein is. And the amount of lutein that's in the macula is about 500 to 1,000 fold more concentrated than anywhere else in the body. So to me, that gives some biological plausibility for it being important, not only because there's so much there in the macula, but it's where you want it to be. Because if you remember, I said the macula is dead center in the retina. Dead center in the retina means it's going to get a direct hit from sunlight. And think about that spinach salad in the sun turning, you know, colors because it's getting destroyed. Um, same thing can happen in your retina with decades of light exposure. So to have something like looting there in high concentrations is a good thing. Looting's yellow. And the visible light that reaches your retina is, is blue light. Blue light is visible light. And because of those colors, the yellow and the blue, that blue light gets absorbed by the yellow light. So it can't go on further in the retina to those photoreceptors to cause damage, light damage. So that's one property of lutein. It, it absorbs the blue light, so it can't do damage. And it's also an antioxidant. So think of oxidation, that's usually not a good thing. Think of a rusty nail, that's oxidation. So antioxidant helps prevent that oxidation. 
and lutein does that. And the eye is very metabolically active. So it, it can produce some oxidation. So to have an antioxidant there is a good thing. And the epidemiology, that is when you look at large populations and what people are eating and what health outcomes they have or don't have, you find that the epidemiology really supports the idea of eating more lutein from your green leafy vegetables is associated with a decreased risk of age-related macular degeneration. So remember that word macula, age-related macular degeneration, a major cause of visual impairment among the elderly. Because think about it, it's been decades of light exposure to that eye that with age, that's gonna be a risk factor to something called age-related macular degeneration. So the macula is about five millimeters of the eye in the central part of the eye. Now you mentioned that the blue light is the only light that hits the back of the eye. People thought that UV light at one time would reach the macula. Does any UV light actually reach the macula? Uh, that really, the lens takes care of that. I think that's where we're, most of that happens. So that um, just like with macular degeneration, there is some epidemiology to support um, high intakes of lutein to decrease the risk of cataract, so lens cataract. And when you look at the carotenoids that are in the, the um, lens, lutein is the dominant one. So it's there too. So it's probably having a role there as well. So there's been some studies that show that lutein, zeaxanthin decrease cataracts. And uh, some of the research on that What's your feeling on that? Well, you know, just like with um, the the retina, you know, being vulnerable to oxidative damage, the cataracts are too. And so again, cataract, you think of as an age-related eye disease, right? Because it's decades of exposure to light and you have these antioxidants in the um, the lens that can help prevent that. And again, the epidemiology supports that. And you talked about blue light before and uh, being, uh, if there's enough pigment in the back of the eye, it'll absorb the blue light. How about if there's not enough, are we gonna get a lot of glare and scatter from the blue light? And will people have trouble with glare or sensitivity to the sun if they don't have enough of the pigment that the lutein makes to protect the macula yeah. in the it, back of the eye? Yes, lutein does help um, with the glare. And those studies have been done and very well. I haven't done those studies, but my colleagues have. And they're well-designed studies. And a well-designed study is something where you have a placebo. So they're not getting this active ingredient, in, in this case, lutein. And you have subjects that are getting lutein. And no, it's double-blinded, meaning that the subjects don't know whether they're getting the placebo or lutein, and the investigator doesn't know who's getting what, or the test, the people doing the test. So that's that's the gold standard of clinical trials. And in those studies, they find that supplementation with lutein actually decreases glare. So it's really an important thing. And as I get older, I'm noticing <laughs> when I drive at night that I can tell that I have issues I didn't have when I'm younger. Um, 
but and I'm a, just a strong supporter of eating those green leafy vegetables to make sure that things don't get worse. And before you mention the back of the eye, the, the macula, there's, there's two carotenoids. But how do you add in mesozeaxanthin to make it three, the lutein zeaxanthin and mesozeaxanthin, or is mesozeaxanthin just really part of lutein? Yeah, we did that study because there was question, where does this mesozeaxanthin come from? Because if you do, if you look at what we're eating, um, there's not a lot of foods that contain mesozeaxanthin. It's mostly zeaxanthin and lutein, zeaxanthin, mesozeaxanthin. They're all isomers, which means they all have the same components in their structure, but they're just bent a little or twisted a little bit differently. So they are different. Um, and when you look in the macula, um, you find that the, the composition of that, what we're gonna call macular pigment, so lutein, zeaxanthin, and mesozeaxanthin, the composition in the macula um, can change depending on where you look in the macula. So the studies that we did looking at you know, where is this mesozeaxanthin coming from in the retina since you don't really see it in foods so much? Um, so we did that study where we fed um, monkeys um, pure lutein and pure zeaxanthin. And the reason we use monkeys because unlike your usual laboratory animal, the rat, the gerbil, the mouse, um, monkeys have a macula. These other more traditional laboratory animals don't have a macula. So that was a good model for us to look at what happens when you eat just pure lutein or just pure zeaxanthin in these monkeys that had never eaten a carotenoid in their life because of the um, design of the studies that they were in. And when we did that and then looked at what was in their macula, we found that those monkeys fed pure lutein, um, converted that lutein into mesozeaxanthin. Whereas those monkeys fed pure zeaxanthin, there was not any conversion. So um, yeah, that's where it's coming from. And when you look at the composition of zeaxanthin in the retina, about half of it is mesozeaxanthin, about half of it is zeaxanthin. So um, the, the retina seems to want mesozeaxanthin there as well as these other two macular carotenoids. So the mesozeaxanthin is dead center in the macula of the eye, the center of the eye, the center of five millimeters, the part that allows us to see. Around it is the zeaxanthin, and around it is, is the lutein. Is that how it works? Um, I, did, I didn't go that fine to really tease out but you'll find the zeaxanthin in the center, very center, because we did punches. And so the distribution of meso versus the zea, I think is about the same, but what the point being is that zeaxanthin, most of what's in the center is zeaxanthin and mesozeaxanthin. And as you go out, more of it becomes lutein. So they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're all important. So if you if we tease them out, I know we look at them together, but if we tease them individually, what function does meso have? What function does zeaxanthin have? What function does lutein have for 
for somebody like uh, uh, for uh, for the public for a general person what what do they, what do they do for us well i think they're all important of course and they all do the same things but maybe differently um it may be structural you know how they are presented in the cell membranes um where they're positioned um and so they have those functions of blue light filtering. Um, there may be a structural function and an antioxidant function. So they're all doing this, the same things, but they may be doing them a little bit differently, in part maybe because of where they're positioned in the macula. I wanted to tell you a story, and if you could help me with this, because I know uh, that there's a lot of studies on this. My, I have a 13-year-old son who plays baseball. Yes. He takes a, a 1010 supplement, uh, meso, uh, uh, lutein, and zeaxanthin. And he rarely ever swings and misses at the ball. You know, I can't say he always hits it hard, but he almost never swings and misses. And one of his teammates uh, would swing and miss all the time. I would say 70, 80% of the time he'd swing and miss. He struck out almost every time up. And then he started taking this supplement, this 10-10-2 supplement with lutein, zeaxanthin, meso zeaxanthin in it. And he also took batting lessons at the same time. I, 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 want, I want to say that, but his swing and miss rate is almost non-existent at this point. Oh, wow. And, and that happened to another kid on the team which swing and miss a lot. And he, his lessons, batting lessons has not changed. And his swing and miss rate has gone way down. Now, I know that uh, Stringham has done a lot of studies on sports, and I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about rea uh, visual reaction time and sports when you repigment the center of the macula. And I just find it fascinating because with my own eyes, I mean, I'm an eye doctor. I know what the research says, but research is one thing. But when you see it really happening, that really makes you pause. So tell us a little bit about the research that, I don't know if you've done any research with athletes or it's just gym, yeah. but if you could tell us a little bit about that, because, you know, I know in your circles, you know about this stuff. Right. So one thing is I'm thinking of 13 year olds right now, right? Is that what you said? Your son is 13? Right. Okay. So not a lot of 13 year olds are eating green leafy vegetables, right? So they're probably starting low. And then when you're starting to pack them with, you know, 23 milligrams of these macular carotenoids, you're probably going to move that macular pigment level in the retina. And we know that it's important for, um, prevention about AMD, but it's also important for visual function. So that goes, you know, down in the lifespan um, um, to include both younger people as well as the older people. And there are studies, as you mentioned, by Stringham and Hammond, who have looked at um, visual acuity in, in sports such as baseball to find that you do get a quicker reaction, you see the ball better and so on. So now we're kind of getting into not only vision, but cognitive function, reaction time, um, where um, a lot of the research in the um, past few years has gone, given that the eye is part of the central nervous system and it's the neural tissue. So it, you know, this visual function, cognitive function are, are pretty much intertwined that it could help with something like <laughs> a better swing. 
You know, it, it's really very fascinating. Uh, so I did want to ask you about that. So getting back to carotenoids, carotenoids are, are broken up into xanthophils and uh, and uh, carotenes. Can you explain to us the difference? And is it important for us to know the difference? Well, they are different. Um, and that's why you have the two classes. Um, so what carotenes are, some of the more popular ones and major ones that are in our foods are beta carotene, which you find in your um, winter squashes like pumpkin and Hubbard and butternut um, and carrots and lycopene. So that lycopene is mostly in something like uh, tomato and tomato products and it's red. So you can easy spot your vegetable is having lycopene if it, it has some red color to it. Now those are carotenes. And they're carotenes because and because they don't contain an oxygen, um, and so there it's just really made up of carbon and, and hydrogen, and um, whereas the xanthophils, such as lutein, such as the xanthin, there's another one called cryptoxanthin, which you find in mangoes, for example. Those will contain an, an OH group, an oxygen hydrogen um, group on the molecule. And they tend to be um, more polar, which in what I mean like that, both groups are fat soluble, okay? And fat soluble means if I would sprinkle my lutein or beta carotene into olive oil, it would disperse and dissolve. But if I took those two carotenes, which are fat soluble and put them in you know, a glass of water, you they'd float to the top, just like when you mix oil and vinegar, right? So they're both fat soluble, and that's why you they like to go where fat is, and and the neural the central nervous system is pretty fatty with a lot of fatty acids and and cholesterol and all that, and so they they go there, and um, but because of this OH group that you find on the xanthophils, they they travel differently in the body. Um, so in the body, all carotenoids travel on something called li uh, lipoproteins. So you may have heard of um, LDL, HDL. Um, now, when you go to your, get your physical every year, they'll do your blood test to see what your HDL, LDL levels are. And that's the only way carotenoids get anywhere is traveling on one of these lipoproteins. There's others too, but those are, are major ones. And because of this OH group I talked about that xanthophils have, they're distributed differently among these lipoproteins. They tend to be more in the HDL, that's the good cholesterol, whereas the carotenes tend to be more in the LDL, the one that you pay close attention to when it comes to risk for heart disease. And that's because of this OH group. They like to be on the outside of this glob of lipoprotein and they travel different places. And that's why we think, we don't know, why you get lutein um, and zeaxanthin preferentially taken up into neural tissues such as the eye, such as the retina and the lens, such as the, the brain, because of it traveling on the HDL. It's more likely to get taken up that because of that. The question is, I'm sure everybody watching this is going to ask, okay, now I think a quarter of the population over 40 is on a statin. And if you lower your LDL and your HDL too low, 
are you not are you not going to be able to drive these important carotenoids to the parts of the body where they need to be, such as the xanthophils into the eye, and the carotenes maybe into the heart and prevent prevention of cancer? That's a really good question. That's a really good question, and I can't think of a reference that I could point to to answer that question. What I do know that's not one statin, not all statins are alike, right? And some of them do actually cross the blood-brain barrier and some of them don't. And I'm not sure if that would make a difference, but I can't answer that question for you. MacuHealth, your science-born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science. I mean, it's a, it's a theoretical question because yeah. with certain heart patients, they want to drive that LDL down to as low yeah. as as low as they can, you know, to sixty or fifty, and the total cholesterol to a hundred. And if they do that, you know, cholesterol is part of the immune system and what is, are we going to be able to get these carotenoids into the eye? Of course, we yeah. don't want to die of a heart attack. So I guess you got to weigh pros and cons. It's yeah. a topical question. And I think what's more important is that ratio of HDL to the LDL. Um, it's, I think that may be more important is looking at that ratio. Um, but yeah, yeah. So you brought up an interesting point before about all these different colors. Diana Menich, I think is the way, how you pronounce her name. She wrote a book or she talks about something called the rainbow diet, having a lot of different colors in your diet. And because each color, you're getting different types of carotenoids or vitamins and minerals. How do you feel about that? Well, I think that a diverse diet is a good a good one. The, the more different things you eat from the various food groups, so get, you know, get all those, those fruits and vegetables, get, you know, your protein foods, get your whole grains, because it's, it's you know, it's, it's not just lutein that's going to give you optimal health. There's a lot of these things in our diet called bioactives, some call them phytonutrients that you find in plant foods. You know, we talked about hundreds of carotenoids. There's thousands of these phytochemicals that are important for health. We may not be able to find out what they're all doing, but again, the the more diverse your diet is, the more likely you're going to get a variety of these phytonutrients, and the more likely you know it's going to help you out with with optimal health. And so your, you know, your berries, you know, will have something called anthocyanins and the flavonoids. And so those have been shown to be um, important for decreasing the risk of heart disease um, and related to cognition as well. Um, whole grains, we think of, you know, healthy bowel function and heart health as well. So they're all, they're all doing their part and, and they don't, act alone. They really work together. Um, and it's important to just get that variety of, of foods. You know, there's been studies about carotenoids decreasing the risk of heart disease, de decreasing the risk of cancer. Can you comment on that? Yeah. And so what you look for when you want to look at the, the strength of the scientific evidence 
is one consistency among different research groups so that they're all kind of finding the same thing and consistency among um, study designs. So you have your epidemiology, which I talked about. I talked about your randomized controlled trials that kind of get, you know, controls for some of the variables that you would like to control for. And you have some mechanistic work to really understand how these things are working. And so that's, you know, going to the lab and the test tubes and, and, and figuring out, do they have antioxidant function? Are they important for inflammation and so on and so forth? And um, when it comes to lutein, it does pretty well. Um, I talked about biological feasibility early on when knowing that it's an antioxidant, noting that the eye, eye is vulnerable to oxidative damage, light damage. So we have that kind of mechanistic work. And when we do our studies in, in animals, we find that when they're fed lutein, um, they do better um, when it comes to visual um, function. And then we have our randomized control trials. We have many of those that have looked at visual function. You know, you the placebo group, you don't see much change. The lutein group, you see an improvement in visual function. And then we have the epidemiology, which you look at these large populations, a real world situation. And you find that those people who are eating their carotenoids, their green leafy vegetables, are at decreased risk of age-related macular degeneration. And would you also say cancer and cardiovascular disease? Um, yeah, same thing. And yeah, it's same thing. You see that with carotenoids as well. Um, those studies have been done. And is there a difference in the carotenoids uh, for cancer and uh, cardiovascular disease than the eye uh, are the different carotenoids that people should be be eating? So we yeah. lycopene. Uh, we you know is that more important when it comes to heart and cardiovascular disease where the eye is lutein zeaxanthin, measles zeaxanthin? Uh, is is it is it matter? Uh, well, lycopene, the one that jumps out is a prostate cancer, and those studies have been done, and that's a lot of the epidemiology to say um, men who consume. Um, tomato and tomato products have a decreased risk of lycopene. Um, beta carotene has been looked at for um, cancer prevention. And that's in part because beta carotene is a precursor to vitamin A. So if, if you're not, if you're a vegetarian, you know, you're not getting your vitamin A from your glass of milk and you're not getting it, um, you know, from these an animal products. Um, but you are getting it from your carrots or your winter squash, or there's some in spinach as well. And that beta carotene, when you eat it, can become vitamin A. Now, talking about vitamin A, the research um, knows that it's important for cell differentiation and it's important for um, um, integrity of epithelial cells and so on. So, um, it was looked at way back when, I, um, I can't remember when these studies were, they might've been the late 1990s or so. The idea was you looked at the epidemiology and people who are eating carotenoids, beta carotene specifically, were getting less lung cancer. So then the big idea was, okay, if that's true, let's just supplement with beta, uh, beta carotene and see what happens as far as, um, 
lung cancer and people at high risk for lung cancer, that being smokers and asbestos workers. And what they found was when you supplement people at high risk for lung cancer, smokers and asbestos workers, at pharmacological doses of beta carotene, they actually got more cancer. And the reason for that is, you know, you're going beyond what's in the diet. So that really points to eat, eat, get your stuff through diet is, is a good idea. Um, and when you're going to this pharmaceutical level, that beta carotene likes to go to the lung and it, be, it becomes a pro-oxidant. So it's in that environment of a heavy smoker, you actually get more lung cancer. But again, pointing back to the epidemiology, when you look at dietary intakes of beta carotene, you don't see this risk. So at what level of milligrams with artificial beta carotene does that risk start with the smoker and lung cancer? Because most multivitamins probably have beta carotene in it. Yeah, right. And and it's not a it's not a concern of certainly they would have, you know, because this it wasn't just one study, it was two studies that found this um to be true. And they they were like tenfold beyond what you can get in your diet. So it was really high. Uh so like I think it was like 50 milligrams every other day, whereas in your diet you can get five, six, seven, you know. It's yeah, and again, um, I think coming from diet, you just you can't. That's that's a limiting factor. How much can you eat, right? Um, well, that makes me think of the ARADS, the original ARAD study with a high dose of zinc, and people would get some side effects, uh, urinary tract infections. I think it was about eighteen percent. So I think you know you need the right amount. You don't you don't you you won't, you don't want to overdo it in with these mega doses with certain with certain supplements. Right and yeah and it's I mean it's pretty easy to get a dose of lutein through food to give you an idea. So I did a study with um, frozen spinach and I had the subjects eat eat like two ounces of frozen well thawed frozen spinach spinach two ounces a day right so that's that's not a lot that that two ounces of spinach so think of that 10 ounce pack of frozen spinach that's going to last your week though you know and that that two ounces contain 10 milligrams of lutein which is that you look at the there's a survey in the United States called called the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey or short for NHANES, and you look at NHANES and it's a survey of what the general population is eating and so you can see what the general population is eating in terms of lutein and zeaxanthin, and the average amount that people are eating in the United States is one to two milligrams. Um, but if you go to like the 97th percentile, so that top 3%, it's about 10 to 11 to 12 milligrams. So it's certainly a dietary level that can be achieved. And the epidemiology suggests that it's about six milligrams a day that's related to decreased risk of AMD. And that 
that work was done by Johanna Seddon in 1994. So that's when lutein became, you know, you know, of interest is way back then. And people just jumped on that bandwagon to look at what, what was going on with lutein and eye health. And since then, a lot of work has been done. And it's, as I said, it's been pretty consistent among different research groups, among different populations. Um, and as far as what we know about mechanistically, it can do. So it's really, I think, pretty strong support that lutein is important for visual health. You know, I think Joanna Seddon's original research, you know, really set the set the bar, set the tone for future research, as you said, for decreasing uh, your risk of macular degeneration. So if you could, you know, tell us a little bit about some of the research that has happened to show to decrease macular degeneration from lutein or zeaxanthin or lutein zeaxanthin, measles zeaxanthin, what uh, what what do we know? What do we know for sure? So I, I'm I, you're one of the problems with researchers and doctors. So I, I'm in the clinic and I'm seeing you know 20 patients a day, maybe 25 patients a day, but you are doing research and I'm taking your research and I use it that knowledge to help my patients. The problem is it takes about 17 years for what you do to reach what we practice in clinic, unfortunately. And I like to see if we could somehow shorten that amount so the public could get better information. So, but with that being said, if you could kind of review about lutein, uh, zeaxanthin, lutein zeaxanthin, measles zeaxanthin, or the carotenoids in general, decreasing the progression of macular degeneration, what do we know? And it doesn't have to be ARADS too. It could, you know, there's been a lot of studies that are not ARADS that have shown that lutein decreases the progression of macular degeneration, that zeaxanthin decreases the progression of macular degeneration. So tell us some of the studies. What do we know about this for the for the doctors listening, for the patients listening? I see a patient with some drusen. Uh, they have a family history of macular degeneration. I want to be able to give good advice to my patients. Uh, what do I do? And what does the study show us? Well, I the evidence, everything I know supports that. Um, one, it talked about mechanistically what we know about lutein. Two, we know that it gets preferentially taken up to where it needs to go into the macula. And you can you can increase that amount pretty easily through diet. Um, I did a study with that spinach I was talking about. And in a month, you see an increase with two ounces of spinach a day. Um, you see the studies that look at visual function, the well-designed studies that looked at visual function, and you see that it actually helps um, improve it. Um, so we have the human data, we have the mechanistic data, we have the epidemiology data, and you know the it's the advice is simple. It's just look at what you're eating and incorporate these um, carotenoids into your diet. It's really about the fruits and vegetables because it's not just about lutein. It's about other things you get in your plant foods, like the vitamin C. Um, it's um, the beta carotene may be important um, in terms of an antioxidant function, even though you know, just the whole systemic antioxidant stand status. Um, 
And um, and as you well know that, you know, there is one where they looked at zinc and copper and um, beta carotene and vitamin E, you know, here is just this new, new nutritional supplement that actually um, delayed the progression of AMD. And that's like huge because here you're talking about disease that um, there's no cure for, right? So what's the idea? So you try and slow that progression down, you know? And so how can you do it through what we know about our foods, our nutrients, what happens in the eye? And so the dietary advice is there. So Ares one did so great that they decided to do it all over again. <laughs> and they did it all over again when they looked at, okay, these people that did well, what were they eating? And two things popped out. They were eating lots of lutein and they're eating a lot of these omega-3s, your fish oils, right? And that makes a lot of sense because lutein and these fish oils have a lot in common and, and it makes sense that they work together. Um, I told you lutein gets preferentially taken up into the eye and the major polyunsaturated fatty acid you find in the eye is your, your DHA, your docosahexaenoic acid. And those are the things that the people were eating. They're eating their fish and they're eating their green leafy vegetables. So they did the study all over again. <laughs> and then you may know that design. It's a lot of arms to the design, but they looked at can we replace the beta carotene with lutein because of this idea that lutein may be a risk for those at risk for lung cancer? Can we, uh, they lowered the zinc to see if that would be helpful. And then they looked at, you know, adding the lutein. And then they looked at the omega-3 as well. And what they found is that, yes, you can replace that beta carotene in the ARES-1 supplement with the lutein and zeaxanthin, and it's the, these people are gonna, you know, it's gonna help decrease that progression of AMD. Um, one, and, of the, one of the things that I saw with a Joanna Seddon study, which I, which really people don't really talk much about, but I thought was fascinating. It showed the arm with the smokers that, that ate high amounts of foods with lutein in it. They didn't progress, even the smokers. And I thought that that was pretty fascinating. Yeah, and that, Johanna's was an epidemiology, so there was no supplementation. So they were getting dietary levels of this. Yeah, it's when you start getting really high, that's when you might wanna be careful. Not, um, that, not that we're recommending smoking, but- No, no. But it mitigated it. And you know, I don't know how long it would, I don't think no one knows how long it would mitigate it for. I think it was five years or something. We don't know yeah. what happens at 10 years or 20 years, but it did mitigate it for about five years. And I thought that was, you know, that was pretty incredible. Yeah. I do want to ask you this. I, I One of my podcast guests is a brilliant cardiac thoracic surgeon named Dr. Phil Ovedia. And he was uh, an obese uh, cardiac surgeon and he changed his diet to a carnivore diet. And when I was on his podcast, he asked me if I eat, since, since animals eat grass, would that increase macular pigment and decrease the risk of macular degeneration being on a carnivore diet? And I didn't know if that was ever done. And if you're eating meat, Will that, if you're just eating meat, will that increase macular pigment? Since the animals are eating grass, they're eating- Well, I would look at that hunk of beef and is that the fat around it yellow? It's not, right? It's white. Right. Yeah. 
um, whereas with the chicken, you know, the, you you see the the yellow there um, and the egg yolk. Egg yolk is a great source of lutein, believe it or not. Um, we talk about plant foods and carotenoids being in plant foods, but the egg yolk is yellow because of lutein and zeaxanthin because they're the the um, chickens are eating corn and corn is another source of these two carotenoids. Um, but you don't get a lot of carotenoids, hardly any in animal products. It's really going to be your your um, plant foods because, um, you know, if we, if we didn't have carotenoids in the world, we wouldn't be here because carotenoids are essential for plants to grow because they protect them from light damage. Um, and they they have other functions as well. Um, so we wouldn't be here without carotenoids. Um, so that's where you're really gonna get it. And, and uh, you know, it's pretty easy to find if you, anyone's curious about how much they're getting, the USDA has a database that um, of, I don't know how many foods, tens of thousands, and you just click in your food and you can find how much lutein and zeaxanthin you're getting. But um, if you're eating your green leafies, you're eating your broccoli, your peas, your corn, um, you're going to be getting a dose of lutein and zeaxanthin for sure. And my understanding is in Mexico, they put uh, mesozeaxanthin in the feed because people like very yellow yolks in Mexico. Uh, they don't do that here. Maybe that would be helpful here because depending if it's pasture-raised, uh, chickens you're getting your eggs from, there's a big difference in the density of the yellow of the yolks. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. And um, the egg yolk is a terrific way to get lutein and zeaxanthin. Uh, the study that I did looked at how much lutein in spinach, a supplement, an egg, how much of it actually gets absorbed in, in, in the body. And that's something called bioavailability. It's what's in the food actually ends up in the body. So they all, all these um, groups had the same amount of lutein. It was six milligrams, um, whether it be an egg, whether it be in spinach, whether it be in a supplement. And then they ate, the, we put it in a frittata and then they ate their frittata um, so it's frittata with just egg white and spinach, a frittata with egg white and supplement, and a frittata with the, the eggs. And then looked at what happened what, when it appeared in the blood. So then you know it got absorbed from the gut into the body. And the egg yolk did three times better than spinach and um, three times better than the supplement. And the supplement and the spinach did about the same. But the egg yolk, it, the lutein just slid right in to the body. And the reason for that is that in the egg yolk, you have something called phospholipids and they help lutein be absorbed um, into the body. And so it's, it's a different vehicle that it's in. It's just, it's just different. And so, you know, I did a study with egg yolk and we were able to increase, I think the eight, two eggs a day for six months and lipoproteins didn't budge with that <laughs> not a, we checked that didn't budge but their macular pigment increased significantly so when you eat foods that have lutein such as spinach kale collard greens uh 
should you eat it with fat? Should you eat it with olive oil? Should you eat it with butter? Should you eat it with some kind of fat to get it to be more bioavailable to the body? Yeah, that's a good idea to have your spinach salad with olive oil because early on in our conversation, I talked about how these carotenoids are fat soluble. So if I if I took a lutein supplement and, and got it down with orange juice, it's probably not a good idea because there's not a lot of fat in orange juice. So lutein, we eat it in milligram amounts, right? And we eat fat in gram amounts. So that's a thousand times more, right? We eat a thousand times more weight of fat than we do lutein. So to take six milligrams of lutein without any fat, the GI tract doesn't recognize fat coming in. So it's not going to push out the bile salts. It's not going to push out the pancreatic juices into the gut to get that piece of fat of fat soluble component absorbed from the gut into the body. So you need enough fat so that the GI tract recognizes, okay, here comes some fat. Let's make sure it's we package it so it can be absorbed through that epithelial cells into the circulation. So that's why it's good. You don't need a lot of fat. Um, you just need some. Um, in our study, when we looked at spinach and macular pigment, feeding, eating two ounces of macular of spinach a day, we instructed them to just do it with like two, you know, you get those little slabs of butter. It's like five grams, I think, like a slab of butter or a, a teaspoon of olive oil, just a, a little bit of fat. And it was fine. I mean, macular pigment went up with just a bit of fat. So it's not like you need to eat a stick of butter. <laughs> you just need like a teaspoon or a tablespoon, uh, not a tablespoon, that's a lot, um, just a little bit so that the, the GI tract recognizes fat coming. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner, not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit oiebroadcasting.com and sign up today.